so this, I, I love titles, I'm sorry, I, I, I do this, a bit of, bit of branding that comes out of me. So this is titled, There Is A Way Things Work. And as I, as I was going through the, the Psalms and all the scripture that, that God was leading me through for this one, um, I, I just got a sense of, yeah, there's a way things work, you know, in the kingdom, right? Uh, and, and we're going to touch on one of those this morning. So, but before we start, what is God really after? All right, so let's just take a, a little check of what he's after. And, and let's have a think of what story we've fallen into, right? Every great story starts with once upon a time. You know, what is the story? And us as Dubliners or wherever you're from, as Irish people, what is the story? One of the most best questions you could probably ask. What is the story? So first, the story that we're in is one of a rescue, right? You're in the middle of a story if you don't believe that or not. But what the enemy tries to do is take us out of that story. Um, the story is... Um, Man fell, but before man was created and man fell, there was an enemy, you know, in the heavenlies, Satan, you know, in all his thought, all his glory he thought could overthrow throw God, and a third of the angels, right, knocked out of heaven. And that was before even we, we, got, we were created, etc. And then the story goes on, God created us, and then the fall. And then the Trinity got together. Well, before then, right, obviously, you can imagine the timelines, but um, I said, look, we're going to do a rescue. We want them back. We're not going to leave them in a a fallen world. We're going to put a plan together to rescue the hearts of men and women. So where do we stand in in that story? We stand after the rescue, right, as in Jesus came, dismantled the the principalities and powers, dismantled our sin, um, and now we find ourselves on that side waiting for his return, right? I'm very close to that return. If the early Christians thought he was coming back soon, can you imagine how close we actually are? So that's, that's where we land in the story. And I just thought it was really important to take stock of that before we went into the way things work, right? It's, it's, it's a really good position to, to have in your mind. So <clears throat> what is God really after? Well, he's after uh, intimacy and restoration. If you read um, in in uh, Isaiah, two things. It says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set the captives free. And sometimes we just forget, we, we, we leave it at that. But the next part is, I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to restore. And this is the part of our lives. And it's funny that all the songs even this morning mentioned restoration. And there's a way things work. We have to step into that restoration. It's not going to just happen we got we got to get in there, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's active, it's not passive, right? Um, if you look at scriptures, Philippians 1.6, it says, I, I'm going to finish the job I started. And, and I take great solace in that. I, I, I love that because it's like, yeah, you've started, but I'm not going to be the same. If I engage with you, Jesus, if I, if I take an active part in this relationship, I'm not going to be the same Bernard next year. I'm go- it's going to be different. You're going to complete and bring to completion by the end of time. Um, another thing, what, what, he, what God is after, if you read John 17, you'll see a, a really big glimpse of what Jesus is after. He said, he prays for the disciples, and then he goes on to pray for us. Lord, I pr- I go, Father, I pray for the guys who've come after these, who've listened to this message, and I want them to be one with us. I want... I want 
Now, not to hyperdwell on it, but think of that. Just think of that intimacy. He's not just saying it for, for the good of our health. He is, of course, but it's, it goes beyond that. That's the intimacy that he's drawing us into. Look at Revelation and in John as well. Jesus says in Revelation, I knock. And I'll come in and dwell with you. I'll come in and eat with you. I'll come in. How intimate is that? What's the, what's the first thing after Jesus was when he raised from the dead? He saw the lads on the boat. He had breakfast with them. How intimate is that? Like uh, He had breakfast made. Oh, amazing, right? What a friend. But that's the intimacy of that. I hear, come and eat with me. Be friends. One thing that hit me when I was reading some of this stuff, we're the only friends Jesus has on this earth. When you think about it, when you come into the kingdom, you become his friend, his ally, his closest thing on earth that he has to disciples. So um, let's, let's read Psalm 7. Mal, if you can lash it up there. Sorry, it's a bit small. Binoculars were not available this morning, so you can read it, right? So I'll, I'll read it out anyway. So Psalm 7, this is from the uh, HCSB version, not the HBC, yeah, the bank. Um, so Yahweh, my God, I seek refuge in you. Save me from all my pursuers and rescue me, or they will tear me like a lion, ripping me apart with, uh, with no one to rescue me. Yahweh, my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have done harm uh, to one at peace with me and have plundered my adversary without cause, may an enemy pursue and overtake me. May he trample me to the ground and leave my honor in the dust. Rise up, Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my adversary, uh, adversaries. Awake for me. You have ordained a judgment. Let the assembly of peoples gather around you. Take your seat on high over it. Let the assembly of peoples, sorry, sorry. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity. Let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. The one who examines the thoughts and emotions is a righteous God. My shield is with you, Lord. Uh, who saves the uh, upright in heart? God is a righteous judge and a God shows his wrath every day. A God who shows his wrath every day. If anyone does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He has strung his bow and made it ready. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He tips his arrows with fire. See the wicked one is pregnant with evil, conceives trouble and gives birth to deceit. He dug a pit and hollowed it out, but fell into the hole and he, that he had made. His troubles come back on his own head and his violence falls on the top of his head. I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. I will sing about the name of Yahweh the Most High. So pretty pretty wordy, but worth going through, right? And I was hoping, just so you know, Mal, if we can go to the next one, please. So I, I broke this down into, into parts um, just as I was learning. That, and don't worry, there won't be more slides like, like this, loads of words and stuff, but trust me. Um, you know, seeking refuge, your first place, turn to God. Again, there's a way things work, seeking him first. And then the next part, yeah, brilliant humility and surrender. Lord, I surrender. And then it goes on to, yeah, God is an intimate ally. God is a judge. Oh, you could, I found my heart going up and up and going, yeah, brilliant, amazing. God is a judge. And then glorify and rest in his righteousness. Happy days, brilliant. And then I kind of, Mal, just next slide. So all the last ones. I, I just bundled together, triumph, you know. And then I wrote my version. Mal, if you can go to the next slide. 
yeah, that's my version. You know, I, I didn't like the humility and surrender bit. I was like, yeah, let's take that out. I've done this. I, I know I've done this in my own heart where I go, Lord, I seek you now. Just give me the triumph. Happy days. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, Lord. I'm, yeah, great. I, I'm, I'm all for that. And I was really hoping when Rob had said Psalm 7 and I read it, I was like, yeah, just let me dwell on one of the other bits. I was hoping in my heart that he wouldn't go, no, let's talk about the humility and surrender piece. And I was like, oh, Jamie, Marcus. Right, so where do we go with this? Today's sermon is about humility and surrender. There is a way things work. You cannot get to triumph until you come under. Surrender under under God. Uh, There's two pieces of scripture here that really hit home for me when I was reading this around humility, surrender. I, I love this one, um, uh, 2 Chronicles 7:14. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves, um, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Here's a key question. How do you hear that verse? Like, do you hear God as a, as a vengeful God, as a, you know, or do you hear him as a, as a lover? going after Israel and us. This is, this is, this is, this is Yahweh going after his, his love, the love of his life, the, the pride and joy. And they've hurt, they've broken his heart. And this is how I read it. I read it as a lover brokenhearted. If they'd only come back to me, if they, they don't know the treasures that I have for them, they only come back and humble themselves. What is humility? It's the absence of pride and arrogance. You know? Then the second scripture I have there, uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What struck me about this, when David, in this psalm, he's running away from Saul, right? He's under really, his life is in danger. Like, he's going to, he could potentially die. Um, Yahweh, my God, if I have done this, i.e. my ways are not bigger than yours. What I want to happen is for Saul and my enemies to, to be trampled on by you. But actually, you know something? Your ways are higher than my ways. If I've come against them, I'm not having that. I, I don't want that. It's a difficult stance to have. It's, it's, it's not easy. There's, there's two ways we can, we can humble ourselves or be humbled as such. By getting into relationship with Jesus and you, you just be caught, you just go, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible. Or life humbles you. Or Jesus can humble you. There's, I don't know if you've seen in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, there is a beautiful scene in uh, Prince Caspian. I won't ruin it for you. But there's, it's a story about four kids. They get transported to Narnia, and Aslan, the king, um, he's a lion, and he represents, C.S. Lewis wrote Aslan as if it was Jesus. A really powerful uh, chronicles or, or, or writings. And there's a girl in it, a little girl called Lucy. And sh- every time she sees Aslan, she just runs to him and wraps around around, so humble, so beautiful, and it's the relationship that they have. And that's my king, and I love it. It's, it's glorious. If you get your hands on it, do it. But along this journey, they pick up a Narnian dwarf. 
And he's like, I don't know who Laslan is. I'm coming along for the journey. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist, lads. You're all on some sort of dreamland. He does not exist. So they come along. They're after a big battle. Aslan shows up, this amazing big lion. And you can kind of see the dwarf going, what, is that your man? Is that him? And then Lucy says to the dwarf, can you see him now? And Aslan lets out this big roar. And literally, I won't say what I was going to say, but he loosens his lines kind of thing. You see him stumble and he just down on, down on the knees. Right? So there are ways that you can be humbled in life. The thing here that I find with Jesus and throughout scripture, he, he's after you. It doesn't matter. You can be, you can be humbled and, and find out your way to him and understand that he is such an amazing God. Or he'll, he'll work through consequences and to humble you and show you that he's the king of your life. It's the only way to go. It's the only way to be. Mal, if you can just kick on the next one. So, surrender is hard. Surrender is difficult. I found it really difficult in my, in my life. I was very happy to, to say, Jesus, you know something, I'll give you that part of my heart, that part of my life, but that one, nah, you're all right. Just stay away from that one if you wouldn't mind, because I know it's going to cause consequences for me. Right? And Jesus will let me go through those consequences. I'll be here when you come back, but I, I can't go there with you. You know, uh, you're not surrendering to me. Surrender is difficult. Let's go through a few examples. The rich man in Mark 10. And peop people think that this is about money. The rich man in Mark 10. It's not about money. Pe Jesus had rich, rich friends. Joseph Arimathea, tomb, etc. It's the position of the guy's heart to money. Jesus said you've got to give up everything. You've got to stop letting that be your Lord and Master. And man goes, oh. <laughs> now, this guy probably seen Jesus do with miracles because he came to him and go, oh, listen, I want eternal life. Tell me what I have to do. Place me in your heart where you've placed money. Right? And it is difficult. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, now, we all know the end of that story, right? But they had, again, put a position that they were holding back. Jonah wouldn't go to Nineveh, right? People who did it, but it was still hard. So those guys, the examples I just gave, people who didn't do it, they did, or couldn't do it. They found it really difficult. So people who did surrender. Hosea, one of the saddest stories in the Old Testament. I don't know if you know it, but it's worth a read. Having to take back a prostitute wife as a prophetic symbol of God taking back the nation of Israel. The guy had to queue up. I remember reading a commentary on this. Just think of it. Having to queue up and then take his wife back. after Because God declared it. Now that's, if we think we have difficulties in what God is asking us to do, think of Hosea. Abraham is another example. Asked to sacrifice his son. Noah, build an ark. Looked like a lunatic for over 120 years, you know. The 12, the 12 apostles, drop everything, follow me. Us today, follow me. In a time like this, when you will be the minority, people will think you're nuts. People will think you're absolutely mental. Right? Today, still the same call. It is difficult, it is. But 
Mal, the next one. You're not giving in. You're giving up. You're not giving in to life. You're not, you're giving it up. I, lo- I love that. I, I, only God can come up with this stuff. And I said, oh, it seems like I'm giving in, Jesus. Well, actually, you're not. You're giving up to me. No better place. So why surrender? Mal, can you play that video, please? some other way. Let there be, let there be some other way. No, take this cup away. Why surrender? Um, because he did. Uh, this one, I, I was kind of hoping that I, I'd have to skip this part, right? Because it, it kind of catches you, kind of gets you deep. Um, like he, he took, he took our cup and he drank fairly deep. He drank it all down for us. He surrendered everything he had. An, uh, like people. I, I, I've heard different sermons about the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's just, they're short parts in, 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 the, um, in the Gospels. And you can easily just jump over them. And there was a bit of artistic license in that video, right? But the anguish, like there was a point. And if you ever thought or questioned Jesus' humanity, just look at that video. He left nothing of himself so that you and I could be reconciled with the Father. He surrendered everything. He took on the wrath of God and laid it on himself. The wrath that was deserved by me and you. Um, the scripture in Isaiah says, um, it pleased God to crush him. Okay, cool. So, here we come to the next slide, Mal, please. You're not, you cannot triumph over anything unless you surrender to Jesus. 
I had difficulty writing that. I'm being honest with you. I had difficulty going, is this true? And uh, Absolutely. As I read the scriptures, I'm going to try and bring this to life a little bit. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote in one of his books. Um, it's from the Silver Chair, again, Narnia, right? But um, it's about, uh, again, two kids go into Narnia. One of them is Jill. She is absolutely parching. She's never been in Narnia. She's parching. She's beside a stream, and she meets this massive lion, and this is how it plays out. Are you not thirsty, said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered only with a look and a low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I, if I do come, said Jill. I make no promises, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty that without noticing it, she had actually creeped further and closer to the stream. Do you eat girls, she said. I have swallowed up girls, boys, men, women, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it was boasting, nor as if it was sorry, nor if it was angry. It just said it. I daren't come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die with thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I, I suppose I must go and find another stream. There is no other stream, said the lion. So, why do we surrender? They're the key things. There is no other stream. There is no other way. There is a way things are done. There is no other way. Here are some other reasons and some other examples of surrender. Look at the woman at Jesus' feet. One of the, the most amazing scriptures that you can see of surrender. The woman at the well, where she's like, okay, I, I think Messiah's coming. And then she surrenders and she becomes the first evangelist. The woman who was healed from 18 years of bleeding, she's surrendered all her dignity just to touch Jesus. The Roman centurion who surrendered his own position and knelt before Jesus to get his servant healed. The paralyzed man that came through the roof all the dignity gone, surrendered. His mates didn't care. They were surrendering. And one of the reasons to surrender, because he's going to return in this life, over, or you're coming with him. Either way, you're coming with him. Okay, so what happens when we surrender? Um, you get him. You get him fully. He doesn't hold anything back. Look at the promise in Revelation 3.20. If you open the door, I will come and dwell. You get freedom and restoration. You will get you, you are set free. You'll have salvation. But Jesus doesn't stop there. It's full restoration he's after. It doesn't stop there. You get abundance of joy, John 10.10. You get him even in consequences. He will walk through, con I, I've many stories where I didn't surrender, I didn't want to surrender to him, and I, I was fearful of the consequences. 
But when I did and surrendered to him, he walks you through consequences. He's there with you. His plans for your life unfold. So Jeremiah 29 tells you very straight what plans. He has plans to prosper you. You get that. You get that when you surrender to him. You become his hands and feet. You store treasures in heaven. You get triumph and adventure. You come alive. It says in scripture, to 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You get him. You get him, and you become fully alive. So what needs to surrender? Um, again, let not your heart go to guilt, condemnation, only conviction. That's not of God. But I'm going to go through the list as if it was my laundry. So what needs to be surrendered? Behaviors. Finances. Uh, I'll give you my story. That was one of the places that I, Jesus, you're not going near my family. They're mine. I was frightened. And this was a, this was, this was a, just how the enemy works. From all the religiosity nonsense that I grew up with, I was fearful that if I let go of my finances to Jesus, that I would become poor. <laughs> that is mental. So once I got rid of that. He has blessed me in so many different ways. It's unbelievable. Your time needs to surrender. And again, I'm pointing fingers here. The big finger. TV, Facebook. People. Noel touched on this a couple of weeks ago. People. You may have to surrender people to God. Your family. Uh, yeah. They're not impacting on your life as the way they should. Idols. And again, there's plenty of them around. Passivity. This was a big one for me. Passivity was huge. Um, I remember being in, um, uh, at a seminar and um, 400 men around you, all glorifying the Lord. Me, a beautiful song, hands in me pockets. I was, you, you, know, you know, where are you going with that? I was like, Look at these, he's just throwing their hands up crying and you know. And I was like, I'd like a bit of that. I stepped out, thank God Jesus did a bit of work in me. And that same song, it was like that came on, I think it was that day or the next day. It was like I was in a musical, the way I came out. Right? Honestly, it was like yes, right? Because what he showed he didn't go through passivity. Go back to that that gets gets enemy. And I asked Jesus for that that new look of, of what he went through, it wasn't passive. If you cry at Braveheart, you need a new revelation of Jesus in the garden and going to the cross, right? Um, beliefs. Some beliefs that maybe need to check, that we need to surrender. Self, ego. It's funny, we were talking in the car earlier on today and here I am up teaching and, you know, uh, we giggled because Hannah's nappy needs to be changed. And I was like, this is only God could do this. Humble you. Yeah, go change your crappy nappy, right? That's the beauty of it. So ego has to go out the window with Jesus. That's it's such a relief. <laughs> such a, because your baggage of your ego, what the world is trying to tell you you should or shouldn't be. Always being right. Fear of others. Not stepping out in faith. Your future. Timidity. Not trusting him. So fearing 
and we touched on it in the song, so one of the songs, we fear something that the Lord has never let happen to us. Because the enemy gets in and says, oh, that could happen. No, it's not going to happen. My God has something amazing for me. His plans, I come alive in his plans. And this is a key one. I don't know why True explained, uh, True the, the, the putting this together, why this was so important, but false piety and humility. And I'm going to explain my version of this and what this was. Many a time I would come to the cross and say, oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> Your sacrifice isn't big enough for my sin. And I thought that was being humble. That's actually not being humble. That's false piety and it's religious. Because if, if we're saying that, that, no, Jesus, my sin is too big, he will, he will say back, what is the cross shouting back at you? Is it shouting condemnation? And that I'm not big enough for you? So that was my journey. Uh, one time I was praying um, and uh, I said, Lord, I, I clearly need a new version of the cross than what I was taught. I need a new version. And as I was praying and, and, and going through it, in my mind's eye, I was, I was led to a hill, a man on the cross, angels all around, nice just bowing to, to the cross, just they were ready to, to slaughter all the other people around. Like, can you imagine what was going on in the heavenlies when Jesus was, was being crucified? So I walked by the angels, walked up. The ground raised, and there I am face to face. And he says, this is for you. I thought, okay, great. What are you going to do with your sin? Your sin you're, you have to give over your sin here. You have to. And I remember the vision, it was only from God because I used to carry a hundred bags home from shopping. And I had my sin. And I was like, Jesus, I, I don't want to put it up. I don't want to put it on you. And he goes, there's no other way. There's no other way for you to be free. You've got to put those shopping bags on me. That was awesome. It was just so, it was humbling. There was no piety. My piety had got ripped away from me. The religiousness was ripped away. And all I was left with was love for somebody that set me free. There was nothing, all I could, nothing I could do. I just humbled down at his cross. Nothing else I can do. I'll just give it to you because you are the only way. There's nothing else I can do. There's no penance. None of that religious nonsense. You're the only way I will be saved. And you're, you're, you're the king. That's it. So if, through all of that, you feel, or in your heart, you felt you're not worthy, there's a difference in the word worthy and deserving. Right? Religious people will say you're not worthy. I had a conversation when I was first on my journey as a teenager. I had a, a, a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness. We have a family member who was a Jehovah's Witness. And I was going through my, 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 my stuff. And I remember talking to him and I said, I feel I am so unworthy of that gift. Now the response was theologically correct. No one's, no one's worthy. That's where their gospel stops. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus says, your sin 
makes you undeserving. But I've made you and I've died. You can't tell me that you're not worthy when I died on the cross. You cannot say that. The cross doesn't shout that. The cross shouts, you're precious to me. Your sin made it that, I, that there's a gap. There's a, sin, there's a sin in your life that needs to be dealt with because you can't be reconciled to the Father. But you cannot say to Jesus dying on the cross, I'm not worthy. Because then it diminishes his sacrifice. And what did he die for? So there's a real big difference in religious speech around worthiness or worthy and deserving. We don't deserve his amazing gift. We've sinned. We've broken his heart so many times. But Jesus says, I've done away with that. You are worthy. We've made the ultimate sacrifice because you are precious. There's no one else in this world that ever have or ever will have your DNA, for example. You are worthy. I died for you. So, uh, we're nearly to the end and then we're going to go into a bit of worship. Uh, just one song. and It's more of an invitation into this surrender. Right? Um, Mal, if you just click on, yeah. Um, so, it's about your heart. It's about your posture in your heart. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture if I can. Um, That you could read over very easily and very quickly. And it it shows the position of someone's heart. And and a bit of not surrendering. It's Elisha's final prophecy. When Elisha was in his last illness, King uh, Jehoash uh, of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he, to, as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded him, open the eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Armenians uh, at Afak. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three, three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he explained. Then you would have beaten Aram until they were entirely destroyed. Now you will, your victories will only be three times. Your victory will only be three times. This shows the position of the king's heart. Pick up your arrows. All right, yeah, pick up my arrows. Hit them against the ground. How is the position of your heart? How serious are you to step out into God's favor or God's plans for you? Now, I'm going to hold my hand up. Many times I've only banged my arrows three times. Many times I haven't even banged the arrows at all. Many times I've stood here going, I I don't feel comfortable raising my hands or, you know, or shouting out or, you know. And this hit me like an arrow, like a brick. Going, Lord, show me and give me another opportunity to bang my arrows. I don't want to be passive. You banged your arrows a million times for me. 
You didn't stop at three. You didn't stop. And I don't know what that means for you, but for me, it means, personally for me, it means when I'm here and when I, the fear, the fear comes over me of not raising my hands or not being active or being too passive in how I praise God or how I worship. In my life, it means how much do I give? How further do I step out in faith? When the world tells you, that's enough, that's enough. Lord, I want, I want to be a person who bangs my arrows a lot. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, and I, I, I don't know why I tell you this, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. Uh, I came back from, um, there was a thing in, in Wales, a John Elders thing. And uh, I remember um, coming back and it was all about fires and it was a prophecy of Ireland about fires kicking up. And uh, it was amazing prophecy, amazing time, really, really incredible. And on the way back, I felt God say, light a fire out your back. I said, oh, you're joking me off your, off your rocker. I'm not doing that. Good luck. All right? And then we went to bed and I said, Lorraine, I, I just can't go to bed. I just cannot go to bed. I have to light a fire. She goes, you want to burn the gaff down? What are you doing? And I said, tell you what, this, this is my bargaining to God, right? I'll, light one, I'll put one log on the fire out the back. Brilliant, lovely. I'll get the fire pit, one log. And I said, how many hours are you going to bang? I nearly light the whole shed up on fire after that, right? I got loads of, I got loads of, you know, logs, right, and put them on. The next morning, when I looked at the remains, this is a cross. And that that's not me. Look past the. That's not Bernard. Look past Bernard, because I wasn't going to do it. That's just stepping out in faith. That's just banging your arrows and not being passive in your relationship with Jesus and surrendering. 